present by Stefan Molyneux. Chapter 28 The car humming beneath her, Rachel felt as if she were floating, like she was driving some science fiction transport that never had to touch the ground. I am not of this world. I am not of this world. The Volvo's tank had been about a quarter full, but Rachel had been able to siphon off some gas from the lawnmower, enough in total to get her a good way towards her destination. My destination. She felt an unreal detachment from her physical environment. Normally she would associate this with the mental affliction called dissociation, but it felt very different from that. The tension in her chest had been replaced by a glow in her heart. The God glow, she called it in her mind. Rachel drove awkwardly, pressing down on the gas pedal with her left foot. Her right foot was too painful to use. Getting out of the suburbs had been relatively easy. The roads were mostly clear. Wherever they were blocked, an alternate route was easy to find. Thanking the ghost of Arlo, Rachel had found that her phone contained downloaded maps and the GPS was still working. She saw occasional packs of dogs and once gunned her car directly at one group, but the beasts scattered before she could hit them. The time for sentimentality is past, she thought with a grim smile. Once she saw an army truck far ahead, perpendicular to her path, blowing through stop signs. The city ended on the precipice of one major highway crossing east to west. Below were endless tracks of suburbs and strip malls. Above were farms, coffee shops, homespun truck stops and vivid child entrapment candy stores. Glancing at the fuel gauge, Rachel suddenly noticed that the engine warning light was on, which could mean just about anything. She was no longer afraid of consequences, though her mind was humming with thoughts of an unguessable future. It doesn't matter if I get there. It doesn't matter if he loves me. It doesn't matter much, even if I live or die. Rachel knew that she had first tasted real life the day before, after the dogs, when she had smashed the cuckoo clock and woken with the sunlight streaming through her face. Salvation. She could not call it God, at least in her mind, though her heart felt otherwise. She certainly could not call it Jesus, because that was far too personal, far too historical, far too vivid and immediate. I'm spiritual, not religious, was the mantra of her fashionable set. Rachel laughed. <laughs> Let's be honest. We wanted all of the comfort, but none of the rules. She tipped an imaginary fedora at Arlo and his science degree. He only loved science because it was a shield against morality. As he always said, it's all evolution and willpower, babe. You just can't get an ought from an is. 
Rachel thought of all of her friends over the years. Where were they now? Panicking, starving, being herded up and confined. She pictured their strange colored haircuts growing out, the natural roots showing for the first time in years. She imagined them removing their eyebrow rings, their nose studs, newly afraid of untreatable infections. Would all my girl power feminist squads have organized themselves into hunting parties, rebellions, collective tribes of neighborhood salvation? Rachel laughed again. <laughs> the very idea. <laughs> They are finally free of the patriarchy. She wanted to nestle into Oliver's chest and apologize until the end of time. The devil frees you from reality, gives you effects without a cause, then takes your soul. Rachel remembered one Christmas when her father had received a text message from his doctor informing him that he had a fatal disease. He never told her anything more specific. It turned out that it was supposed to be a generic Christmas greeting but had gone horribly awry. Thousands of people had received the same message. It was just bad timing that her father had recently had a checkup and blood work. Bert got the message on a Friday night and had to wait until Monday to clear things up with the doctor. He spent the whole weekend thinking he was going to die. Later, he told Rachel, I've given up trying to figure out what is good or bad in this life, kiddo. That was the worst news I could get. But it gave me a new lease on life, which I'm truly grateful for. And the change had really stuck. He worked less, spent more, traded in numbers in a bank book for real experiences with loved ones. The thought of death gave me back my life, he said. Of course, Rachel's father sent a birthday card to his doctor every Christmas, informing the elderly man that he had been diagnosed with a fatal illness. Almost dying is infinitely better than almost living she thought. As she left the city behind, driving past the few remaining abandoned cars, Rachel could not help but think of her old life. God, I was insufferable. She judged everything all the time. She compared herself to other women and Arlo to other men. She compared her career to more successful people and became tense and depressed, or less successful people and grew vain and complacent. She had no plan other than the success of the moment, always predicated on feelings of superiority, never genuine achievement. She had no life other than skipping and jumping from one dopamine hit to another. Her secret hobby of fielding direct messages from men, constantly reminding them that she was in a relationship, but loving the attention nonetheless. Well, she would never have the chance to level with Arlo now. Rachel felt great 
sorrow when thinking of him. But not because of his death. Rather, it was because he had no more life than a wondrous piece of art. Arlo was an empty receptacle for the fantasies of others, a stratter and parader of his own unearned virtues. Of course, he constantly told Rachel that he worked very hard to maintain his physique. But she always knew that he put in the work only because it paid off so spectacularly for him. His pretty hair, his lovely features, his natural tendency towards slim-hipped leanness, these all made the work worthwhile. Exercise polishes beauty, but never creates it from scratch. We starved to death, mining the unearned. A strange thought struck her then. If this was a story, I would need to explain why I lived, but Arlo did not. But it never will be explained. All I can do is live as well as possible to honor this unexpected and and, and totally unearned gift. Why did that man with the gray beard die unknowingly giving me life? Rachel felt a slight stab of remorse and guilt. The dogs had only gathered in the convenience store because of me. The older man was killed as a direct result of me hiding in the ceiling up in the cross beams. To him, too, I owe endless apologies and a better life. Rachel had a sudden urge to name her future son, any of the many she now planned, after the older man, but of course she didn't know his name, and it wasn't likely she could call any of her kids Arlo. Perhaps just another kind of cheese. Rachel drove automatically, lost in thoughts and reveries, and so did not notice the checkpoint until she saw the sign. Drive forward. If you turn around, you will be shot. The sign was hand-painted on a white sheet nailed to a square wooden board. Ahead of her was a police car, parked perpendicular to the road. Its overhead lights were flashing pulses of red and blue. Rachel's left foot spasmed and the Volvo accelerated. I could just blast right through, she thought with eerie calm. No one is protecting me. But a rapid series of consequences, instead of mere excuses, unfurled in her mind, like the online videos of falling dominoes she used to love as a tween. I drive, they open fire. I weave on the road, I lose control. They finish me off in a ditch. All legal norms had evaporated in her mind. Due process, one phone call, access to a lawyer. Surely this had all been replaced by brutal frontier justice. There's no point surviving the dogs just to be finished off by the pigs. The caustic term for police officers floated up from some unknown recess of her brain, shocking her. As a pretty young woman, Rachel had never had any trouble with the police and had occasionally used them to threaten insistent men outside of nightclubs. Rachel would hold up her phone and dial nine, then one, and then would tell the man that he was only one digit away from jail. Don't think I won't, 
she would cry, flushed with the adrenaline of midnight urban stalking combat. The various men had always backed away, clearly imagining a distraught Rachel crying and pointing at them, and a grim-faced white knight officer stepping forward to protect her fragility, her eggs. Why are you bothering this lady? Come with me. Rachel had always loved the police. Now she did not. Even if I get away, they will follow me, and I bet they have more gas than I do. And there are no rules anymore. What could happen if they catch me in the wilderness? She expected to feel great fear, but she only felt a deep, still caution. If there aren't any rules, I sure as hell can't try and flirt my way out of this. Flirting only worked if the man would be severely punished for refusing to take no for an answer. Otherwise, it's... Russian roulette. As she slowed down, Rachel used her free hand to grab the toque from the passenger seat, pull it over her hair, and tuck whatever strands she could handle underneath it. Be ugly, be ugly, be ugly. A young man, impossibly young, got out of the police car and waved her down. Rachel drove up to him, stopped, and turned off her car. He had no official hat, but was wearing what looked like the rolled-up top of a balaclava. His eyes were pale blue, his nose lightly freckled. On either side of him were bright orange traffic cones and what looked like unrolled barbed wire on the road with savage spikes designed to murder tires. He gestured for her to roll down her window, his breath fogged in the brittle air. Sir? Ma'am? You've got to turn around. Why? What's the story, officer? He gestured at the inside of her car. Look, I'm not going to check your registration or anything like that, but you are going to have to turn around and go back to the city, ma'am. If you don't have enough gas, I have a container. He gave a faint smile, nodding slightly hypnotically. Rachel Hastings, she said, sticking her gloved hand out the window. Officer Reynolds, he replied, shaking her hand. She smiled. Well, I I guess there's no line up behind me. Can I have a minute? said Rachel. I don't, he frowned. You know the rules. Actually, I don't, replied Rachel, realizing how tough it was to refrain from staring up coquettishly through her eyelashes. I heard some trucks with loudspeakers, but I I couldn't make out what they were saying. It's the same thing everywhere, miss. Go home, stay in your house, wait for food and further orders. Rachel nodded slowly. But do you think that food is coming? The officer shrugged. That's way over my pay grade. Rachel's voice lowered. Have you seen the Dogs? The young man nodded soberly, tapping the baton on his belt. I have to run up the driveway swinging sometimes. They almost got me. He frowned. What are you doing out of your house? I can't stay there. I'm out of food. Officer Reynolds turned and squinted up the highway. So, where were you heading? My parents' cottage. There is food there? Rachel nodded. The policeman paused. Is it far? If I can get some gas, just about 90 minutes. He pursed his lips, then straightened and stood up. He whistled piercingly, pointed his finger up and rotated it quickly. Turn around, miss. Officer, she murmured. He leaned back down. I don't know the state of anything. There's no one around. Can can you give me some information? Anything? He paused. If I do, will you turn around? Rachel nodded. Well, 
What do you want to know? God, everything. He smiled faintly. Well, that's quite a conversation, and I'm freezing. Get into my squad car. We'll talk there. Rachel got out of her car and followed the officer to his police vehicle. You're not in trouble yet. You can sit up front, he said with a wink. Rachel sat in the passenger seat. The policeman settled into the driver's side. She looked at all the various screens and keyboards and radios. I can't believe you guys give us grief about texting, he grunted. It's mostly useless now, just gets in the way. Rachel shivered. I'm freezing. I didn't want to use the heater. I, I don't have enough gas. She cupped her hands and blew into them. Lord alive, it's toasty in here. Can I stay just a few minutes? The officer nodded. You had some questions? Well, what is the state of the law? He smiled slightly again. Why, are you thinking of breaking it? I guess everyone wonders about the end of the world. He barked a tiny laugh. <laughs> no zombies, at least not yet. Are you from... Rachel's throat was shivering with cold and tension. It doesn't look like you've been on the job long. Reynolds grimaced. Eh, I've always had a baby face. My girlfriend wouldn't go out with me at first. She thought I was underage. Is she okay? His face tightened, the freckles on the bridge of his nose drawing slightly closer together. Nobody's okay. I'm sorry. We're all sorry. There was a pause. Rachel could feel the officer's formal personality beginning to eclipse his brief vulnerability. What's going on in the city? He took a deep breath. Well, most people are staying home. It's not just the dogs. Coyotes and wolves have come in as well. And a couple of bears, believe it or not. Some idiots opened all the zoo cages as well. I had to catch some oh, little monkeys. What, what are they called? Lemurs? He snapped his fingers. Yeah, lemurs. He turned to her. You okay? Yeah, murmured Rachel, her voice getting softer. Yeah. There are two tigers loose as well. It's pretty crazy. Officer Reynolds' laugh was tense. He drummed the fingers of his right hand on the top of his steering wheel. We're just all holding the fort until we can get things back to normal. You started during the pandemic? He smiled wryly. Do I have timing or what? Are your folks in the city? He paused, instinctually aware that intimacy was being worked on. They're up north. Cottage country? He nodded. Do you think things will get back to normal? Not sure what choice there is. He took a deep breath. My dad's a history buff, thinks that this is the fall of Rome. Have you been able to talk to him? Officer Reynolds shook his head. Either of them? No. Rachel smiled. You must have... You must have thought of checking on them. Oh, we're not allowed to... He sighed. Sleep, crap, shave, shower, back out. Well, that should cure my baby face. In the resulting pause, Rachel's mind worked frantically trying to come up with a topic. She could feel the police officer's rising impatience. Then, words came to her that she did not understand, but spoke anyway. Officer Reynolds, she said softly, you're living at the police station, right? Mostly, he said uncertainly. I had to leave my parents behind. She took a deep breath. There was no food. No one was coming. 
I almost got eaten alive by wild dogs, or dogs gone wild, I don't know. A man got killed so that I could escape. Feeling the twinge in her shoulder, Rachel gestured at the road behind them. There's nothing back there, man. Just death. You've been holed up. They're just telling you what what works for them, not for you, or me, or your parents. His cheeks were flushing a faint red. He looked away. That world, it's gone. I like the police. Always have. You guys have kept me safe my whole life. I know you want to be the good guy. And I think you are. I know it's crazy. And you're keeping people locked up. And you're locked up too. You're guarding a, a, a graveyard. Rachel's jaw worked wildly and she burst into tears. My boyfriend, he's back there. Dead. And my parents too. Dying. And my aunt. And I have no idea where my, where my sister is. Maybe up ahead. But, my God, I don't even know your first name. My friend, my brother in Christ. Are you a Christian? He nodded slowly, dumbly. God above, hear my plea. I need to get ahead. I need to get to my sanctuary. Everything is gone. Do you, do you understand? You're locking people in their houses to just, just die. And you have a, a kind face. I see that. I believe that. I know that. But how many terrible things the world over are done by people only thinking they're doing the right thing? Please, for your soul, don't be one of those people. I must render under Caesar's what is Caesar's. Not if Caesar is commanding death, cried Rachel wildly. The words just poured out of her. If Caesar is a devil... My God, they promised us everything for free my whole life. And now they just, he just takes everything from us, just as expected, as told, as foretold. Imagine all the gods who kept people from their boats during the flood. Please, I'm begging you, don't be one of those historical figures. Like in Rome... You know, the ones who promised that work will set you free. Staying home is your salvation, but it's not. It's not. And you, keeping me here, keeping me from getting away, sending me back to my death. Rachel gestured at the road ahead. Please, go check on your parents. They need you. And you need them. Every structure has fallen away. Every bill has come due and must be paid, her voice lowered. And think, my friend, what will happen when everyone is gone and you are the only witness to their crimes, the crimes of those who... Will you be suffered to live? Just long enough to feel the regret. And my God, you do not... Want to feel that regret? Not ever. Death is... Officer Reynolds held up his hand. His neck was red. His voice tight. My God, okay. It's not like there are cameras here. There was a pause. Rachel fought to control her breathing. Okay? He waved at the windshield at the snow-blown empty highway ahead. 
Go, go on, go. You're the first person to come by in like three days. I wasn't even supposed to be here. This checkpoint was... He scowled. I don't need to explain everything. Just go if you have to. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Rachel grappled his surprised head with both hands and kissed him on each cheek. All right, citizen, he cried. Don't make me regret my discretion. Just, we never met, all right? Nodding violently, Rachel wiped her eyes on her sleeve, opened the door, and leapt out. As she drove past in the red Volvo, she saw the young man putting on his seatbelt, his face grim. As she gunned northward, in her rearview mirror, Rachel saw his red and blue lights turn off as his car started up after her.